Devin Dang, welcome to the Growth House Podcast. We're here with a special guest, Devin Dang. What's up, brother? Let's, let's go, Jesse. I'm excited for this, man. We're about to have a good conversation, man. Absolutely. Anytime we talk, this the energy's there. Um, we always have new ideas and love to run things by you. Uh, you're doing something kind of similar down there in Austin. Tell us kind of what you're doing right now. Give people the big picture of where, you know, Devin's at, and then we'll take it back and kind of tell the story of, you know, how you got to where you're at. Let's run it. Thanks, Jesse. So I'm here in Austin, Texas. I'm 27 years old. I am a social media content creator, mainly around real estate, some lifestyle. And then I also invest in real estate and mix up co-living, some Airbnb. And then on top of all that, I am a soon-to-be professional wake surfer by my own standards, but we're working on that. I love that, man. I love it. So take us back. I know you're in Austin, Texas right now. Did you grow up in Austin? Like, where are you from? Yeah, man. So I am originally from Arlington, which is one of the biggest suburbs out in Dallas. Grew up there, was originally born in Kansas, moved over when I was so young. And halfway through college, I knew I wanted to do more. I wanted to be around really inspiring people because my college was dead. So I went to University of Texas at Arlington. Halfway through, I decided I'm going to transfer. I transferred to UT Austin, discovered the amazing city of Austin, and came here. And I have not been able to leave since. And I've been here for about seven years now. And currently now, a big part of what I do is help people invest in real estate. We mentioned real estate, social media content earlier, but I'm also a real estate agent out here with investors. House hacking is my bread and butter, but it all kind of comes around to Airbnb, co-living, et cetera. But that's kind of the whole rundown of how I got here and what I'm doing. I love it. So I had a time after college and I was telling this story where I was a cabana boy. And after college, I got my college degree and I went back to putting on that light blue cabana boy shirt and then realized like, man, something's got to change. And that was kind of my light bulb moment where I said, oh, I got to probably start reading. I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, started getting into personal development. And that's kind of how my journey started. How did your journey start? Or were you always this ambitious? You always knew I want to do real estate. Kind of walk me through that process of maybe after college. No, not at all, man. So when I first started and got through college, I was just partying my way through college. If I'm being completely honest, I was in a fraternity. I just wanted to chill with my boys. And at that time, I was drinking somewhere between four to six times a week to the point where it became my personality. And I was mm. like, I drink and this is who I am in front of people. And I think it was all a mass insecurity of like, I don't know if I can do more. I don't know if I can be more. I don't know if I can move up. So I'm just going to hide it by just being loud and hosting parties and doing these things. It was all a mask. Like the mm -hmm. loudest person in the room is usually that way for a reason, uh, whether mm -hmm. good or bad. So eventually fast forward, I got my first corporate job out of college as a financial analyst at JCPenney Corporate. So let's okay. go. So I was in merchandising. <laughs> Not the dream job, but from where I was in Arlington, for anybody familiar with Dallas, is I would drive from Arlington to Plano every single day to get to and from work. And that was an hour and a half each way. And an hour and a half of time, that's three hours a day, 15 hours a week. I mean, we can keep going down, 60 hours a month and so on. And that pain of just sitting in the car and just hating my life because – 
in college, you have so much time, like you're hanging out, you maybe go to class. If you're like me, you didn't go to class and you have the entire day from now I'm working eight hours. I spend three hours driving. I get home, eat. I watch like one Netflix episode and I go to sleep and I do it over again. I'm like, there's no way this is what life is supposed to be. At JCPenney, I got pulled into a room by a guy who was going to retire in Thailand because he was buying turnkey properties. He pulled up the rich dad, poor dad assets to liabilities chart and blew my mind. I'm like, this is like my savior to not having to do this nine to five anymore. So that was kind of the first start for me of like, now I'm going to start diving into this hour and a half each way in there. I'll be listening to bigger pockets. So three hours a day, turning my car into a mobile university. And that was really the first point, all from pain for you, the cabana boy, for me, just hating my drive and job. No, I hear you on that. How did you get put onto bigger pockets? Was that through that same guy? Uh, I think, you know, when you eventually get into real estate or asking about real estate, it's going to come up at some point. Uh, for mm-hmm. anybody that doesn't know Bigger Pockets, it's the largest podcast, real estate form, education platform there is, books. And for me, it's like you could find just your average everyday teacher, um, your garbage man, like these everyday normal people that were creating a an amazing life with passive income and building something for the future family. That's the part that really rung with me. It's like, how do I build something for my family so their sacrifices didn't go to waste? I'm an immigrant. My family came here in the 70s with absolutely nothing. And each generation has moved the ball down the field. I'm like, this is how I'm going to get it past the 50-yard line. This is how I'm going to move the ball down the field for my family. I love that. And I love you talking about turning your car into a mobile university. That's something that is like, it's so easy to do because what else are you going to be doing in the car? Probably just listening to music or just, you know, on autopilot. So I love that you did that. And I think a lot of people start doing that, but then some people get away from it. Like just a quick example for me, I was listening to a daily podcast every single day because I realized the input was so important. I stopped doing that. And then I'm like, why am I like going away from my goals? And then I'm back on it. Like that daily, you know, good input motivation. Does that play a factor in your current like life right now? Like you got to always have something at least once a day, whether it's reading a book or listening to a good podcast. Yeah, man, there's some routines that I've carried with me. It's like the miracle morning, having that first hour of your day. I'm up at the same time. I go to the gym. I do my miracle morning. I do my devotional. I read. I plan for my week. And just having that time to myself because you win the morning, you win the day. You win the day, you win the week. You win the week, you win the month. It's like, how do you be everything you want and do, accomplish everything for the year? It's like you start with your morning because it compounds. Mm-hmm. But one caveat to that is it's not always about doing more. I think what's actually benefited me more now that I wish I learned earlier was time for silence. We're living in an overstimulated world where we always feel every bit of silence that we can. So I'm sitting in the car. I blast music. And my dopamine baseline is just elevated. I'm at home eating. I throw on a YouTube video. Great. If you're watching stuff to learn and grow, but a lot of times it's just filler. Like of all the stuff we consume, maybe Instagram reels, YouTube, even if it's educational content, how much of it are you actually retaining? So I think what's been most beneficial for me in my adult life is finding periods of time where I go through dopamine detoxes or just daily I go to week-long dopamine detoxes where I cut out Netflix, YouTube, music, everything, and I'm just stuck with my thoughts. It's so uncomfortable, but there's usually something that comes up. And if you sit with that uncomfortableness for just 
five more minutes, five more minutes, you start to ask this question, you start to uncover this and you start connecting a lot of dots that you're trying to run away from. So silence has been the big thing for me. That's so true. So much of my life, like in the last couple of years as well, because like you said, everything's always, you're always listening or trying to listen to something. But like you said, how much are you actually retaining and having that silence? Just sticking on that point, just for one last second, what do you do? Like, do you meditate? Is it prayer? Is it like a, a guided meditation? What do you typically do for that? Yeah. So in the morning, when I get back from my morning routine, so first I time block everything. And part of my time block is a gym session. I get back and before I actually get into it, it's like, I, tr- I haven't been so good recently, but the best times of progress in my life is where I don't touch my phone until 9am. If you check that email, so check that text, and that enters your mind and that anxiety, it starts to carry through the workout and another email, mm-hmm. another text. Most things can wait. So I really wanted to get out there because that's been a huge game changer for me for those mornings I do that. But when I get to my actual morning routine, I do the savers routine in the miracle morning. S for silence, A for affirmations, B for visualizations, E for exercise, which I already completed, R for reading, which I read my devotional, and then for S scribe. I go to my notion template. I look at my year. How's my week going? Is it in line with my monthly targets in line with my quarterly targets is everything I'm doing in my daily actions contributing to this larger goal. So that's what I crank out every single day for 30 minutes, Monday through Friday, and then T B D on weekends, depending on the weekend. (laughs) Right? No, I love that, man. Let's continue that story. So you're listening to bigger pockets you're starting to, you know, get into real estate, at least learning about it. How'd you go from that to owning houses and becoming an agent? Yeah. So while I was at my first job at JCPenney as a corporate financial analyst, I knew I wanted to buy a house. So I worked backwards. Okay. So I need about $20,000 because I wanted to buy a house at that time, somewhere between the two fifty dollars and $300,000. Let's say 300000 And then I knew I could put a 3% down conventional loan on it. So $9,000 plus some closing costs, plus some emergency, plus some furnishing. That was like the minimum to get by. So I took 20000 I decided what my savings rate was. I was living at home so I could save more. All my friends are starting to get apartments. Like you're starting to see lifestyle creep at this point. I'm like, no, I'm going to lock in and live at home for a little bit. I'm going to eat chicken and rice every single day. And I knew I could save $1,000 every paycheck. So $2,000 a month. So at that point, I know after about 10 months, I would have enough for a down payment. So mm-hmm. while saving, just going through the routine, monotonous, I'm like, I started looking for other jobs. And that's actually when I applied to my next job and I worked for Zillow and the Zillow offers program. And that's where I was like, I need to learn about real estate, but I would need to get paid for it in a corporate job. And I joined Zillow and while I was at Zillow, I eventually got to the point where I saved enough money, got the 20000 got some stock options as a tech company. And I was like, this is the time I'm buying a house. Saved all that money. And then I ended up going all in on my first co-living house in Austin. Spent everything I had to buy that first house. Should I have had a little bit more cushion, a little more emergency? Absolutely. But I was just so gung-ho that I bought a house right at 2021. I was 24 at that time. And that was the start of my real estate journey. Man, I love that. Two things I want to kind of go back on. One, same thing for me, man. Delayed gratification, not trying to keep up with the Joneses and really um, that lifestyle creep. I think a lot of people, especially when they're young, you start making a little bit of money. You're like, okay, cool. Now my lifestyle is X amount, whatever the salary is. 
start making more money. Now my lifestyle goes up higher. For me, how I was able to save up money, my money for my first two houses, very similar. I worked a corporate sales job, made like $42,000 salary, and then made a lot more with commissions. I stayed at that. So my my salary went up, my commissions went up. I still lived like I was making $42,000 for like five, six years. So yeah, I love that story about what you did there. And you just knew you're very intentional. I want to save up $2,000 every single month. I think another thing that you mentioned I want to kind of touch on is that you got a job, a corporate job that was in line with your goals. You knew you wanted to get into real estate. So you're like, okay, what job can I actually get paid for and learn while I'm on the job? You want to touch kind of more on either of those those two things? Yeah. I mean, being able to be really close to real estate at an exciting company, learning all these real estate skills and getting a consistent income, like there's something to be said about leveraging your W-2 to buy more real estate property. I love house hacking and it's what's changed my life. And that's my mission. My mission is to help a thousand millennial minorities start investing in real estate. And all of those guys have really great W2 jobs because they went through the system and they saw everything their parents didn't have. So I'm going to go through the system and get a good job. So that W2 allows you to leverage that to buy more homes. Everyone just, I want to quit my job and go do this entrepreneurship thing. And I think you should but you should build your entrepreneurship journey up at the same time you have your W-2. And there's a certain point where your entrepreneurship or side hustle surpasses the W-2 and then you'll figure it out. So that being said, like find a way to get around either people or in a position or system that's going to allow you to learn real estate while you're saving money. Like there's that grind before you buy your first property. And I think the first property will always be the hardest. That was the mm. absolute hardest because you know, you want to do it. You tell people you want to do it. Your friends are expecting you to do it, but then you haven't done it yet. And then you're like, can I do it? And it's all this self doubt. But that first piece of evidence is undeniable evidence that you can do it. And two, three, four, five, it's just a snowball from there, man. God, we have such a similar story, man. I mean, I went through five years of analysis paralysis. I probably told people like for five years straight, yeah, I'm about to buy a house in Arizona or I'm about to buy a house. Never did. <laughs> and then once I had the confidence to do it, and actually for me, it was putting pen to pad and like, you know, Mamba mentality, what Kobe says, once you actually write it down, it's like a signed contract, right? With yourself. And so for me, once I bought the first house, all of a sudden I'm able to buy another house, uh, you know, 10 months later. So it happened really quick once I had that confidence and once I got out of that analysis paralysis. But walk me through, how'd you buy your first house? And then also what is house hacking? Yeah, so I bought my first house with my W-2 income leveraging it. Um, I love the transparency. It's like at that time, uh, for you, appreci I appreciate you sharing like how much you're making at that first time. Here's the steps. Like before I get into that, actually, I wanted to touch on before you get into that first property, there's going to be this grind that me and Jesse are talking about where you just don't know if you can do it, but you know you really want to. And there's just so much self-doubt and you do all these things like analysis, analysis paralysis, analyze all these deals. You think you're going to get into it and you just have to be in that grind mode where every day is going to look the same for a while. You look at these guys on social media, they bought another property, they're making this video, they're shooting this content. You look at Jesse and he's producing like six pieces of content. You're like, I can never get to that. But the thing is, there's a point that me and Jesse had tons of self-doubt. We sat mm. on things. We saw people ahead of us and we felt bad. So that being said, I think even if your days all look the same, just the fear of you not getting what you want is kind of the first step of actually getting there. I think what's scarier is not being scared about your current position or not being scared about what you want to be because that means you're just going to keep doing the same thing. Like that's even scarier waking up of just being, I'm comfortable. I don't really want to mm -hmm. change anything. Like that's <laughs> not going to get you anywhere. 
So to very long way of going back around answering your question, I bought a single family house, four bedrooms, and I put down, I had to put down actually 10% because there was appraisal gap. It was the beginning of 2021. So paint a picture around that time, interest rates were in the 2%. Everything was going off the shelf like crazy. Things were selling one, two, three days, 40, 50, 60 offers. And I was just this guy that had 3% down competing against other cash offers. The house I eventually found, there were 10 other offers on that property. But the reason I won that property is because I wrote a cover letter and I put some pictures in there. And I wrote that this is the American dream for me. I've been having a really tough time in the market. And this is the house for me, my family, my dog to run around. I pulled in the, I pulled every heartstring I could. And it was between me and one other investor, all cash investor and me. They chose me. Ultimately in the end, there was a appraisal gap because everyone's bidding very high. And I ended up selling some stock to be able to make up that difference from Zillow at that time. So everything happens for a reason. And then I renovated that property, did about 25% of the renovations on my own, contracted out the rest, wanted to do the minimum to learn how to renovate a home as a very first time home buyer. And then I rent out the extra three rooms. While I lived there, I made $500 a month. And then after I moved out, I make somewhere between thirteen dollars to $1,400 a month gross on that home as a co-living house. Okay, let's stop right there because I think people don't understand this house hacking thing, man. Like I did the exact same thing, but people don't realize how powerful this is. So you made money while you were living in that house. While you were staying there, you were also making money. It's crazy. Like we have to repeat it because like people were like, no, there's no way. Like I, I heard that wrong. And mm-hmm. You make can make money while you live in a house. Get, given granted, it's harder now than it has been before, but it's still not impossible. There's still ways to do it. 100%. Even if you break even, you are literally not paying rent. And that's what the biggest expense for most people, especially if you're in your 20s, just starting off, starting a career. It's like, it's. I think it's a shortcut. If there is a shortcut, I think house hacking is the shortcut. It's a loophole, man. Like, it's the fastest single way to build a real estate portfolio. Think about this. Let's take homes in Arizona and Austin. What's the average price point over there? For a decent house, probably about five, four fifty-five. Okay, perfect. Austin's right around the same. Let's assume five hundred thousand. Mm-hmm. Let's say that you sacrifice, quote unquote, sacrifice, and I'll touch on that, and you do two houses. One house, you live in it. Rinse and repeat, you do it another year, just two years, two years of your entire life, just this small percentage of your life. Those two homes 30 years down the road completely paid off and appreciated. Those two homes alone just made you a millionaire. So if you can do it four times, that's two million. Six times, that's three million and so on. And maybe even one house becomes a million. We become the next San Fran or Bay down the future. But let's just say the home value doesn't change. How much would that impact your lineage down the road for you to sacrifice two years for that level of impact to pass down? People, Mm -hmm. and I would love to get your take on this as well, Jesse, is like when people house hack, they're like, well, I've inflated my lifestyle, so I don't want to have roommates. I want to live really close to the city. And those two things are the reason why you're going to stay at a job that you're unhappy about. Those two things. Bro, just get a roommate or two. And it's, oh, well, I've had really bad roommates before. When's the last time you had roommates? 
well, when I was dorming as a freshman, no, you get to go choose your roommate now. Pick better people. <laughs> yes. Like, what's the solution? Pick better people. So, or I want to live closer to the city. I'm like, dude, you could buy a mansion closer to the city one day if you just sacrifice this a little bit now. Would you rather have the mansion for your family? Would you rather lifestyle inflate now and then struggle later with your family, getting by, working this job you don't like? So, I don't know, man. How... Have. Devin, Devin, I think it's mic drop. All right, let's Devin, ladies I, and gentlemen. Uh, good to have you on the podcast. <laughs> We're gonna end it here, man. We're gonna end it here, but just so true. Get your, your take on that, man. It's yeah. like you hear people debating about house hacking or thinking. I'm sure there's some people in circle thinking about house hacking, reached out and have it. I mean, what's your take on that, bro? It always comes down to like uh, I can't do roommates. Here's my story: graduated college, didn't have any money. So what were my options? I couldn't find roommates because I didn't want to live with other people who were, you know, I was trying to level up in certain areas of my life. So I wanted to be focused. Other people that at that age, it was hard to. So I was like, okay, no roommates was out of the question. I didn't have like a system to vet people. So I was like, all right, it's either live on my parents' couch or go rent an overpriced studio. That's what I did. I spent five years in an overpriced studio because I couldn't find the right people to hang out with or even to potentially live with. But at the end of the day, with house hacking, you just go find those people. It's not that hard. There's so many different websites that you can look at. Um, you know, that's what our company even specializes in vetting people who are like-minded so you guys can all live, to- live together and grow together. So 100%, man, it's just like, it's the sacrifice is really not that sacrifice if you think about it. I was lonely, man. Five years in a studio, I call it like a bougie jail cell because it was, it was a nice place, but I look around, do a 360, and I can see every single inch of the whole place. And it was cost way more and I was just wasting that money on rent. So um, honestly, everything you said, I 100% agree with. It's worth the quote unquote sacrifice. Even now, I'd rather live with some of my best friends. I'd rather live with people who are going to push me every single morning at 6 a.m. Me and my boy, Ben, we go work out at the gym. Like, I don't know. That's just where I'm at right now in life. And I encourage everyone in their 20s to do the same thing, especially if they want to set themselves up in the future. Oh, boom. Now, mic drop. Now we're <laughs> done. I mean, those are... Man, I couldn't have said it better, man. I think we're now creating the communities we wish we had for ourselves. And one, you can go and live and be in those communities, or you can be a creator of those communities, Mm. one side or the other. With you and Growth House and for us, Casa Creadores, Christian Co-Living, I mean, I'm really excited to see where this goes for both of us. Absolutely. All right. So you get your two properties because I want to talk about your your Christian. Is is it also entrepreneur focus as well? It it is. It is. And we can touch on that here in a second. Okay. So so. Walk me through, you have those two houses and then you started, decided to be an agent as well. And then you started doing this, you know, branded house or walk me through that process. Yeah. So after those first two houses, primary residence, like I want to scale up more, but I just left my W2. Okay. So I didn't say that. I left my W2 job. I was part-time as an agent while I was working this job and I was making good money. I was like, I just made half my income as a part-time agent. What okay, hold I up. Let's, let's, let's go back because most people aren't <laughs> like, hey, I just quit my job. Like, that's a scary moment. I mean, even for me, I have my story, which I talk about that in other podcasts. Walk me through that process. What were you thinking? What gave you the confidence to even realize like, all right, I'm going to go bet on myself. I'm going to double down on me. Yeah, man. I think around that, it was actually about a year ago now that I left my W-2. And I was going through a transformation in that point in my life where I was kind of early stages in my content, but I was starting to really enjoy it. I had my main W-2 job. I had two houses at that point, and then I started making some extra part-time income. All to say is 
that was the most amount of income I made that year. It was double from the year before my other job. I'm like, these things are all starting to pay off. And I'm starting to build this confidence, this undeniable evidence that I could really, really do this. Because at every stage, somebody feels imposter syndrome. And I think mm-hmm. it will always be there. And I don't think the answer is completely eliminate it, but it's to address it. Like, hey, this is something that's going to happen. But that being said, I'm like, this W2 job now is keeping me from making more money in my side hustle. So earlier I said, build your side hustle at the same time you do your W-2 and do both for as absolutely as long as you can until you cannot. And there hit that point where I was being capped in my time to make more money in my side hustle. So I'm like, this is the, I've shown myself I can make money somewhere else. So I'm going to let walk away and quit this W-2. So during that time, a lot of companies, real estate tech companies specifically, Redfin, Zillow, a lot of these companies were going under. I worked for a different real estate tech company at that time, and I could tell that we were going to have some layoffs. So I was trying to get laid off. This is terrible, but I'm going to be <laughs> transparent and real here. So for the next month, I started kind of lowering my performance a little bit. I'm like, I'm going to get this severance. Like I, I'm dealing my transactions. I'm going to get this severance. And there was this meeting, this town hall meeting that kept getting moved around. And I'm like, this is it. This is where they're laying off people. So like, I'm getting ready. I hop into the meeting and they say, we're letting go of all these people. And I understand this is a very difficult time for a lot of people because a lot of people rely on that. For me, I had Mm. another plan, but I still had a lot of empathy for those. And I'm like, okay, hopefully it's me. So it's not somebody else. They Mm. sent out the list and they let go of a quarter of the people on my team, I was not on that list. I'm like, no, like pick me instead. Like, let me go. So two hours after that, I jump on a call with my manager. I'm like, hey, I'm putting in my two weeks. And like all this is going on. People got let go. I put in my two weeks that day because I thought that was the day I was going to be let go. So I had to go into my new career with no severance. And I had to double down on myself. Fast forward to the beginning of the year. There's three months where I did not bring in any income as an agent. I'm like, yo, I'm doing this full time. Where's all this like income at? And that was a very difficult time. of like, I don't know if I did the right thing. But mm. ultimately now to today, it worked out. I had a really good couple of months after that. It comes in swings. That's just entrepreneurship. Like you don't know we're going to get paid and it all comes at once just when you think you're about to quit. So mm-hmm. this year has been absolutely crazy. Just a lot of ups and downs, man. Man, I love it. Walk me through um, this house, bro. Like you're starting to do amazing, like your content. I always tell you every time we hop on the call, I'm like the backdrop that you have right now, the lighting, all the videos, they're on point. Like I literally show people, like my people that do social media and help me out. I show them your content. Like, hey, can we do it more like Devin? Yeah, I like what Devin's doing. (laughs) So walk me through what's going on with this house, man. Thank you, man. Um, I'm sorry. That's like the second time to not answer your question. I just get super excited talking about some of this stuff. But three and four, I bought some Airbnb partnerships because I couldn't qualify for another loan. And after that, I enjoyed Airbnb, but it didn't fill me up. It Mm -hmm. made good money, great returns. But there was this piece after I was done and stabilized, like I wasn't fulfilled running this Airbnb. Like the money's great. I create this cool experience. But Going back to my first two co-living houses, it was around this point we were sitting around a dinner with the two houses and everyone went around and talked about their experience the past two years. I'm like, it's been two years. And like, yo, I've met some of the most amazing people. They pushed me. 
Um, I'm thankful. And people were like thanking me for this. I'm like, yo, I just put y'all in a house. I was just trying to like increase my income as an investor. Right. Like, right. Yeah. Like, you guys are paying me and you're thanking me. You're paying That's when me you know. That's me. when you know. Yeah. I was like, what? Like what's going on here? Cause I, I feel so fulfilled. Like put the dollar signs aside. I'm like, I'm doing this for this table and this people right here. How can I do this at scale for more people? So mm. the conversation started. It's like, you know, we're always thinking about that next move and investing. What are we going to do? And I think you have to try out a lot of different things before you really zone in on something. So it ultimately got to the point where there was a lot of things that lined up for me in my life that this was a sign that I need to go around down and double down in co-living. So I joined a men's small group. I go to a local church here in Austin and I got to be around some of the most amazing guys that live, lead their life and walk with such purpose. And I just didn't know what it was, but it was their Christian faith that's been guiding them of like, this is how I'm going to walk this earth. This is how I'm going to serve others and lead my community. And within that small group, there were a few of us that are like, yo, how do we build impactful business initiatives and still glorify his name? So for us, it was some of this experience of like, how do we take co-living now? Take the people in our circle. We love throwing events. We love being around amazing entrepreneurs, dreamers, innovators, like the forward thinking people within our community that are also faith focused that we just honestly want to spend more time around and throw amazing events for. And how do we create co-living for them to disciple each other, be around each other and keep each other accountable? Our tagline, and I will take this to the grave and I, I mean it with every ounce is like, show me your five roommates and I'll show you where you'll be in five years. Like we want to help mm. people find their tribe. So with that being said, it's the people that have been around. It's like, I want to create this for other people and we're going to create Christian co-living and the biggest community in Austin. Let's go, bro. I love that. That's amazing. Walk me through. What is that going to look like? Like for us, for Growth House, since it was entrepreneur focus, we have weekly, you know, goal setting. We have monthly master classes. Are you guys doing Bible study in the morning? You guys have weekly Bible study, you know, just kind of walk me through. Is it going to be somewhat structured or just throwing a bunch of, you know, Christian men together in the house? Yeah, it's going to be a mix of guys and girls house separately. So we're going to house males and females. We're going to keep it to all males and all females. And the point of us being able to throw us together is the intention behind what we're doing with these people in the house. And we're working on partnerships with local churches to bring their programming into the house. Because right now mm. people go to church once a week. They feel inspired about the word, the service, or maybe they go to a small group once a week. But after that church session or that small group changes and they go back to their environment, their cues, maybe not the best either people or influences around them, they fall back into their old habits. So one, getting the right people together, partnering with churches to build programming into the houses. And on top of that, create really well-designed and intentional spaces where people have this premium luxury feel of like, this is not a house, this is a home. And then on top of that, we want to partner with local providers, your local coffee maker, your local energy drinks, so support local brands and have this curated monthly drop-off where you, we get mm. to highlight and bring in some of the best businesses around the world. So take your top Airbnb experience and let's take it and move it to co-living. Because so I think there's been kind of this thought that short-term rentals is this experience and co-living, you just provide the basics. So we're trying to create the short-term rentals of co-living. So that's kind of the program we have week to week. And then across all the houses, we're going to continue throwing events for the houses. 
for them to meet across other houses and have this network from north to south to east to west Austin. Dude, I love that. I'm already taking notes. I'm like, oh, add that to my growth house. <laughs> There's enough for all of us to eat, man. Let's go. Okay. So you kind of talked about how you're going to create that community. What about marketing? And actually two things, because a lot of people are doing and getting into co-living and want to figure out how do I find like-minded people? Like let's say people are house hacking. What kind of strategies did you use to find those people? And then also on the other end, I know you use social media a lot, but is there, I guess you're also talking about churches as well, maybe strategic partnerships that will funnel people who are looking for housing into your houses on that aspect as well? Yeah, good question, man. So for Cost of Creators Co-Living, uh, means House of Creators, by the way, in Spanish. And for House of Creators, we believe that you attract what you put out there. If we're on social media saying like, these are our values and these are the events we want to throw, or these are the local initiatives we're doing, like upcoming, we're doing a service initiative where we're building provision packs for people and the homeless in Austin. It's like, how do we serve and give them the basic necessities, jackets, wet wipes, things that they need. We're going to shout from the mountaintop of everything we're about and our values. And the people that want to raise their hand and like, I feel called and I am all in on this. Those are the people we're going to put in those houses. Those are the the lead generation methods that we're going to use because it's so natural. It's like what we're already doing. So to answer your question, it's social media first um, and then word of mouth through churches, church partnership, and also local Christian groups. There are Christian professional networking groups. There's Christian social groups, and we're going to partner and throw events with them. And we're going to, tap into their community. It's like, hey, what you are already doing is amazing. How can we help build this for you and get some of those people in a house so they can continue to live your mission for us to create discipleship? So those are the ways we find people for Casa Creadores. And for my first two co-living houses, for anybody just looking to get into the first couple of houses, practical ways, there's a few common ways that people do it. Number one is Facebook groups, flexible, go to Facebook, go to groups, type in flexible leases, flexible rooms for rent, rooms for rent, and then roomies.com, which is a service that helps room rental owners and potential tenants find each other. And then our third one I heard today that I haven't tried out is Craigslist. I have this like sketchy like <laughs> idea of Craigslist, but apparently people use them and find some people on there. So I think those are the, kind of the three practical ways. If maybe you're in a city where you don't know anybody yet and you haven't built this marketing or these events or mm-hmm. these partnerships. I'll even add a couple more. So Craigslist, actually Facebook, probably number one for me. And then Craigslist and then Roomster. Have you heard of Roomster? Oh, we got another one. Roomster. We got another one. Yep. Yep. So Roomster, we've used Roomies. And then from now, it's just kind of word of mouth and referrals. Definitely ask people like within your you know houses, like, hey, do you know anyone else? Even maybe give them a referral bonus. So that's another couple of ones I want to throw in there. But Devin, we're going to talk. We stay in contact a lot, but... And I know people are going to hit us up for a part two, just to let you know. So we're going to do an in-person part two. I'm but I want man. people to kind of see like, Devin, three years, God willing, where are you going to be? Where's the vision? Where are you headed? We are going to scale the biggest Christian co-living community. And I know I said Austin earlier, but that's wrong. We're going to build it across the nation. We're going to get a thousand homes in Austin, and we're going to get to tens of thousands of homes nationally. And for us to do that, we can only acquire and buy so many properties on our own. 
We want to partner with owners of properties. We want to partner with people wanting to get into it. We want to partner with anybody that feels called to the mission of creating Christian community and discipleship for the next generation for us to be able to help partner with you and build that. So what we're doing as a part of Casa Creadores is we are building a white label service completely done for you. You want to start a co-living house. We're going to design it for you. We're going to furnish it for you. We're going to create all the systems, all the packages, the spreadsheets, the systems. How do you automate all this? And then we're going to use our marketing that we've built up to help fill those people in your houses. So you want to come, you want to do a co-living house. We're going to help you do it from A to Z and help you be a part of our mission. So God willing, three years down the road, we've partnered with amazing people in our community, in our circle, and then new people we haven't met yet. And we've built the largest Christian co-living community in the States, if not the world. Devin Dang, ladies and gentlemen, how can people find you? How can people connect with you? I know you're someone that loves to you know, have community and talk to the people. So people definitely reach out. Yeah, man. So Dang Devin, ATX on Instagram, D-E-V-I-N, the right way to spell Devin. And then there is a Calendly link on my description. I'm, it's open for everybody. I would love to connect with you. I would love to chat. I'm going to keep that open. I want to meet as many people as possible until I just literally cannot do that anymore. So schedule a call with me. Reach out on Instagram. If you shoot me a message, it may go to message request. I may not see it. So book Calendly and I'll see you on there. Devin, I appreciate you, man. You're someone that inspires me. And uh, I just want to say thank you and I appreciate you jumping on. This is Jesse Ray with The Growth House and we're out. Yes, sir.